be the change. Be the change, right? And what this um, what this really means is that we take individual responsibility for creating a better world, and it starts with ourselves. Just as we were just talking about, once we start to transform ourselves, once we start to awaken ourselves and align ourselves, we then are creating a change, an energetic change. Welcome to You Lost Me at Namaste, where we discuss all things wellness, well-being, and spirituality at the real world 101 level. I'm your host and well-being alchemist, Michelle Schoenfeld, and I am so thrilled you are here to join us today. I have been teasing about this topic for almost three seasons now. (laughs) So today we are going to talk about kundalini. And I brought in a wonderful woman to help explain it to us and demystify some of the things we all hear about. And so before we go any further, let me introduce you to my guest today, Julie Eisenberg. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Michelle. Thank you. (laughs) So we are doing um, this at her, she's the founder of the Lighthouse Yoga Center in Washington, D.C., and we are doing this appropriately masked <laughs> in our distancing. So um, let me just ask you a little bit. You know, Kundalini has gotten a lot of, um, I would say a lot of press, but it's having kind of like a reawakening again. It kind of came to the United States in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, very kind of hippie, fun, free love experience. And it seems to have be coming back into popularity with not just experience, but more like people looking for that wisdom. Gabby Bernstein and a lot of celebrities, Gwyneth Paltrow, Russell Brand, Russell Crowe, have kind of brought it to the forefront. Um, But a lot of people don't know exactly what it is. Do you mind describing just a little bit what Kundalini is? Yeah, sure. Kundalini yoga is a type of yoga that basically uses all eight limbs of yoga to create an experience. And it's taught in what are called kriyas, or sequences of exercises that are done in a specific order for a specific purpose. And so every class is very, very different. Some classes will be very relaxing, almost restorative. Other classes, you'll be running around the room or doing jumping jacks. Every kriya is going to create a very different effect. And kundalini yoga is um, a type of yoga that's very accessible to people who aren't flexible. So... It allows people to get into a place of deep meditation without feeling like they need to be able to put their bodies into all of these crazy contortions that for many people simply are not available or accessible. And every kundalini practice includes um, physical postures, uh, chanting, pranayama or breathing, meditation, um, there's often visualization. There's, um, you know, sometimes you'll even sit and talk to the person sitting next <laughs> to you in communication. So um, it's a really wonderful experience. And people, I think, right now are really flocking to it because, in part, because of its accessibility, in part, because people right now really are looking for the meditative aspect of yoga. And because in Kundalini Yoga, for many people, myself included, it is a gateway into meditation. Yes, uh, it's it become it's something yeah. that people are finding is life changing. So how I kind of found it is, um, I'm a meditation instructor, so I'm an energy healer as well, and I teach meditation. I prefer teaching guided meditation, but I've studied all the modalities, and I had a couple of really good friends who love Kundalini. Uh, my friend Ghoul Rose in Istanbul. So it changed her life. <laughs> and she actually went through teacher training and doesn't teach, but just for her own wisdom. Mm-hmm. And then um, my girlfriend, Samra. And it's interesting because I took three different classes at your studio before I even met you, just to kind of see what it was all about and see if I liked the, the energy of it. And told her she loved it so much without even coming to a class, she signed up for your retreat. Right. She did, she did. <laughs> and went to Italy, right. So I loved it because I was coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. I had um, stage three breast cancer, a lot of my listeners know, and I went through chemotherapy and I'm healthy, everything's great, but I had some pretty severe damage to um, my left side. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the yoga pose is traditional. Like I can do warrior one or warrior two, but down dog hurts mm-hmm. and it's gotten better. It's definitely gotten better over the years, but some of the traditional yoga poses where you're upside down or using a lot of arm strength just weren't 
working for me and it was making me feel defeated and it was making me feel frustrated and um, I love meditation anyway and everybody likes to hear about divine feminine energy and then I heard kundalini I'm like well I'll give it a try and I'll say exactly what you said I felt it was very accessible um, and it was no joke I mean it, you think maybe you're sitting there and you're not doing these advanced poses but it was an amazing workout for core strength and mm -hmm. my upper body and <laughs> yeah it's very physically challenging I wasn't expecting that because I did look a little bit ahead of time I'm like okay well you're chanting there's a lot of <laughs> chanting and vibrations and we like those vibrations right they break up energy they're good for our gut health but I didn't really think it's gonna be a workout right I was a college athlete to me working out is like sweating and muscles and obviously the evolution of my life is yoga is the way to go for me um, but I, I really enjoyed the class because it was so different now the chanting um, I didn't really, a lot of it since it's a Sanskrit, correct? It's actually Gurumukhi, okay. which is related to Sanskrit, but um, derives more from a Punjabi tradition rather oh. than, so rather than Sanskrit. It's, it's, I think Gurumukhi, I don't know the total etymology of the difference between Gurumukhi and Sanskrit, and definitely some of the mantras are in yeah. Sanskrit. The majority are in Gurumukhi. It's a Sikh, um, it's a Sikh language. It's so it's spoken now as modern Punjabi. Okay. All right. Um, it's interesting because some people have, um, find that Kundalini is like more modern, right? Because in the United States, it was kind of brought here in the late sixties and, but it really has been around for thousands of years and it does right. have some Hindu backing and it's related yeah. closely to Tantra, if yeah. I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I did a show on Tantra and there was some crossover, which I didn't really address. Do you mind talking a little bit about Tantra and Kundalini? Or? Um, no, it's not really my... It, my yeah. expertise in okay. terms of I, I don't want to misspeak much yeah. on Tantra because you know the Tantra um, has first of all as my understanding is a variety of different roots and a variety you know and people are going to come at it from different viewpoints yeah. and so I don't feel that I'm yeah. in a position to, <laughs> to synthesize and I understand that. that so maybe my question um, really kind of what I was thinking is like I've heard Kundalini being called the yoga of awareness yes and it helps with transformation. Yes. And I feel like there's some of that in Tantra as well. So maybe that's yes. why I was saying the correlation is that these are yoga um, modalities of, of awareness, of transformation, of, of growth. Yeah. Of Well, you could argue that all yoga is yeah. theoretically a tool for transformation. And one of the things that makes Kundalini yoga so different is it happens very quickly. So you could go to a Hatha class or you could go to, I, I you know, my Hatha practice is, is basically, I come from an Iyengar tradition in Hatha, which is kind of the extreme opposite, right? Right. <laughs> um, and it just, it takes so much longer to get to that point of like, whoa, what is going on here? Like <laughs> where all of a sudden you feel like your eyes have been opened. And this is similar to Tantra in that regard. You know, suddenly you're seeing everything very differently and once your eyes have been opened it's it's hard to close them again so it's so, tied very closely to spiritual awakening right? it is so very much spiritual awakening we also exactly. kundalini awakening would you mind just kind of talking a little bit about that is well, that it's so the kundalini awakening is kind of an interesting um concept we i i we get calls from people saying <laughs> Oh, it was like so something crazy happened to me and I somebody told me it was a kundalini awakening. You know, the reality is if you are in a kundalini yoga class with a certified instructor, sorry, I, I, <laughs> with a certified instructor who knows what they're doing and who is going to guide you through the kriyas, through the meditations, um, you, you should not have an experience that is off the charts. Um, and that would be the experience you would have in a kundalini class as you move through this becomes the what we would call the kundalini awakening many stories that i hear of people who are like walking through the woods and all of a sudden have you know <laughs> yeah. that they they believe that's a kundalini awakening I, I you know i i would say to them come to a class and see if we can start to help guide and channel your energy yeah. the way that works the way what's going on with this is that um kundalini yoga first of all has a very um, clear and obvious physiological aspect, which is that it works on the glandular system. 
So, so it's good for like gut health and your organs and lymphatic. Lymphatic right. is yeah. huge, right? Digestion. And lymphatic is just, it's um, basically our body's filter system. Right. Right. So our body's filters right. gets all the toxins out. Exactly. Yeah. And gut health is kind of the key for everything, for our right. energy, for our immune system. Right. And there's so much core work, but you know, that, that really gut health is huge. Yeah. And, you know, as well as working on the heart center. And there's a big, there's a gland in the heart center under the breastbone for um, the immune system, the thymus gland. The thymus gland, yes. I've done some thymus activation um, work, and it's after my cancer, you mm-hmm. know, just because of, of the toxicity of the stuff I went through. Right. So kundalini um, basically means like coil, right? Or it's like right. a coil of power that sits like at your tailbone and or like where you sit on it, basically, around your spine, right? Coiled around your spine? It's, right. So the, so what happens is, what you're doing in the energy it's the it's the chakra energy and it spirals up your spine and the chakras a lot of people don't know this but each chakra does correspond with an aspect of your glandular system so as you begin to physically activate your chakras and as you begin to raise the energy we use the root the you know the locks the root lock to you know the mul bond draws the energy up the uniana bond the jalunder bond all of these different locks to control the energy what starts to happen is this kundalini energy starts to spiral up your spine, moving up to the higher centers where then you activate your sixth and seventh chakras as you create this connection with the divine. And it's it's really believed more and more in, you know, um, that our as humans, our connection with the greater good is what, brings us happiness. I absolutely agree. And for anybody who's listening um, who wants to know more about the chakras, I did two complete episodes on the lower and the upper chakras in season one. So I encourage you to go back and it'll give you more information on this, talking about the different areas of your body and emotions and physical health and everything we're kind of talking about. (laughs) So you can go back to season one and pick up on those episodes to learn more about the chakras. Mm -hmm. But everything is connected. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting as a healer myself, um, I do a lot of work with people, and when I'm in Turkey, I work a lot more than I do when I'm here in the United States. I've been really bad coming, uh, and when I say bad, I mean I have not been taking time for self-care, for my mm. own meditations, and for grounding. And I like to think I am. I like to help other people. I like to talk about it, but I just haven't. I kind of got caught in the whole COVID, um, my structure being off, my schedule being off, some different feelings that were uncomfortable I was dealing with. And I went and saw a friend who basically took one look at me and said, you are not grounding. Mm -hmm. And I got defensive. And the truth is I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't grounding. I wasn't grounding to the earth's energy. I wasn't, I wasn't working on my root chakra. I definitely wasn't doing Kundalini yoga. And I'll tell you, there's some great resources out there online. I don't, do you have stuff online, videos that people can watch? We um, we don't have free video access, but our, our membership includes um, a video on-demand library. So um, I will put the link in the show notes, so anybody who wants to check that out can. And I will also say, since we're listened to in about 63 countries now, that there is some pretty good content out there. So if you're interested and this is resonating with you, um, I will put some links, or you can just Google it yourself and find some really nice content out there and if it resonates like I said and you want to know more then that's usually where you go into the paid yeah um, right the, we usually read libraries yeah we recommend spirit voyage as a really good starting place oh for wonderful people at spiritvoyage.com um they do have some free content out there and um there's a lot of just a lot of information on their website yeah and after you take a look at it then you know, you join a, a local studio and you sign up for classes and you, you can do real-time Zoom classes. You can do, um, you know, video replays. Obviously, the real-time classes are better because you're getting yeah. the interaction with the instructors. And um, one of the things, because of the amount of chanting and breathing, Kundalini yoga is not something, at least here in the United States, that is being recommended to be, to be practiced in an enclosed space at this point, even with masks. Got it. So well, I say I, soon. It's kind of like dating. Any of the stuff that has to do with healing, with self-healing, with yoga, with energy work, I feel is like dating and that you have to try different things mm-hmm. to find what resonates. If you've taken Kundalini in the past and it wasn't your jam, I encourage you to try it again. And if you've moved or if you've, you're not sure, you've never taken it, you might have to try two or three or who knows, four places to find something that resonates with you. But 
it is such a wonderful practice. Um, but you're right, it has a lot to do with who's teaching it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know, different teachers are going to speak to different students. Different there are styles. people who come to, well, you know, I mean, people who come to my class and be sort of like, I don't know, that was a lot. And there, one of our other teachers could teach the same Kriya three days later. And it is going to be a completely different experience because every teacher comes in with their own energy. Yes. You know, the teachers aren't making this, these Kriyas up. They are, we taught as it has been taught through yeah, the Yeah, they're ages. the same, regardless of they're where you are, same. what country you're in. Right. Like, it's going to be the same. So if I'm going to teach, say, the Kriya for the nervous system, and somebody else is going to teach the same Kriya for the nervous system, uh, students are going to experience that really differently. I took three classes um, at your studio with three different instructors. And then also did a full moon uh, meditation. Mm -hmm. They were all different, all very different personalities. I liked them all, but there was one in particular that I really liked. And you're right, it was very similar. I was like, oh, okay, I know what they're saying now. Like, I know what we're doing. <laughs> right. But I still felt, like, drawn in particular because it is energy. It is so important. Mm -hmm. um, right, right. But it was really beautiful. I really liked the different variety of, of the instruction, but I also liked the continuity. I knew what was coming, mm -hmm. and it felt good. It felt familiar. Um, I like the meditation of the repetition. Mm -hmm. A lot in Kundalini, so there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of repetition. We'll do an exercise. You know, you can do something for, you know, three minutes is kind of the norm. Seven minutes, sometimes yeah. 11 minutes is very common. And can you kind of describe a little bit uh, what um, like a basic beginner Kundalini class would be like? Like um, what to expect for any listeners who haven't experienced yeah, one? Yeah, and I always tell people, you know, that your first class, just try to get through it, and then come back <laughs> and your second class, try to figure it yeah. out. But um, yeah, generally, um, even for the most part, you're going to come in and um, you're going to see very often the teacher wearing white. Um, and why is that? White is a color that is said to expand the aura. So when the teacher wears white, they, they're kind of setting themselves apart a little bit. And, you know, and they create a little bit of a of sense of brilliance. And Yeah, it's nice to look at. I've seen some classes where everybody's wearing white. Yeah, very often. It's really beautiful. Yeah, some, you know, a lot of students will wear white. You know, it's not, it's not required, but um, some people really, really yeah. enjoy it. And, um, you know, the teacher is, un unlike a Hatha yoga class, where the teacher is often walking around the room and making adjustments, the teacher in a Kundalini class is going to just kind of sit at the front of the room. And you start a class, you tune in with a, with a chant, with a mantra, and then sometimes there's warm-ups, just basic movements, you know, spinal flexes or... or um, is it mostly a seated class? Well, you get up and down. You go up and down. And, you know, but so the, you know, the warm ups will really depend on what you're going to do in the class. And then after that, there's going to be, and then once you start the Kriya, it could be, you could have, um, and Kriya is the, the sequence of exercises. So it's like the movement, the breath and the mantra all together. All together. That's what the Kriya is. The Kriya is the sequence of exercises that all lead to a specific purpose. Wonderful. So like is a sun salutation, um, would that be similar to like a Kriya? Like if people are familiar with the breath and the body movements mm -hmm. of it. I mean, yes, you could say that a sun salutation is a Kriya, although not specifically in the Kundalini sense, in like a Kriya Just like give it a sense. comparison. Yeah. It's the re repetition of the same movements with your breath, with your chanting. Right. You could yeah. almost argue like the Ashtanga, um, an Ashtanga, you know, series would be a Kriya, like the whole thing. Um, it just depends. There are one exercise Kriyas that you can do. But more often than not, it's going to be a series. And sometimes you're seated. Sometimes you stand up. Sometimes you're lying on your back. You can do like, you know, five minutes of leg lifts. Or, yeah. <laughs> and then you'll get up and dance, right? So, you know, um, and, you know, and you asked about a beginner class. Kundalini yoga is generally taught as a mixed level practice. You throw yourself in. So with, people don't have to worry. You usually. don't have to worry. That's wonderful. You, you just go into a class and you have that experience. That's how I feel about yin yoga as well, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like being in touch with your body and knowing you can pretty much everybody can do it. Right, right. You, know? you just, yeah. you know, and there's going to be stuff that's going to be hard. I mean, there's a lot of work with the arms, right? You'll hold your arms up or <laughs> yeah. out. And that's what a lot of people complain about. And they're like, I thought my arms were going to fall off. My shoulders are going to break. And obviously, you take your arms down, even though the teacher is going to be like, keep up, keep yeah. up, you know. you. But what, what this work does, which is so fascinating... 
um, is it builds what's called stress resilience. It builds the capacity to withstand stress. And this is one of the reasons to get back to, you know, one of your first questions, why is Kundalini Yoga right now so popular, particularly during this pandemic? Our Kundalini classes are are very well attended on Zoom. Again, yeah, we're not absolutely. we're not doing them live at this point. Actually, we do outside, but um, but because it works on stress, because as you put yourself in these fairly uncomfortable situations, I mean, you're not just sitting there, right? You you know you if you're in a seated posture, very you know it's very possible you're holding your arms up over your head for three minutes, and you are very miserable. <laughs> and then you start to sweat, and your body starts to shake, and your mind is being like, I need to take my arms down, but the teacher is saying, don't, what do I do? And you go through all these different permutations, and then it ends. And that's what builds stress resilience. Stress resilience is the ability for a human to earn animal, and to withstand stress, at a higher level. So the belief that... It's like building up your tolerance to what you... It builds yeah. up your tolerance, right. So a lot of people say, oh, you're you're a, you're a yogi. You don't have any stress in your life. It's like, no, I'm a business owner. I'm, I'm a human. <laughs> I'm a person. Yeah, I'm living <laughs> like, in a pandemic, right? Right. But what happens is that your ability to withstand stress and stay functional increases through this practice. So... Um, it, I just love this good for the immune system. Yeah, I think probably in March, April, everybody's doing it because of the immune system. Right. Now, and they're, now doing, they're doing it for the anxiety for, and the for stress. For the anxiety. Yeah. Right. No, that's exactly right. Which is part of it too, though, right? Because anxiety and stress, you produce more cortisol. Right. The majority you know. of illness is directly related to stress. Which is so, an inflammatory response. Inflammatory. Exactly. It damages everything in your body, right. you know, all your organs, and brings down your immune system. So anything we can do. Right. Which is why I wanted to talk about Kundalini today. Every week I'm talking about something different is just to help us all together mm-hmm. find ways that we can just feel healthier and more grounded and right. have that stress relief. And, you know, you try Kundalini and you love it. Great. You can do it every day. This is a yoga practice. You can do every day. Absolutely. Yeah. You should you do know. it every day. Yeah. That's the, you know, it honestly, like meditation. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. really, I mean, if you do it, if you pop into a Kundalini class, like once a week, you know, it's great. You'll, you do the class, you'll start to get stronger. You'll be yeah. like, Oh, that was fun. But you're not going to have the huge transformations in your life that you have when you do the practice every single day. We recommend... Just like working out. It's the same same as working. But even more... So because... I mean, and when you're working out, you're getting the endorphins going. And but if you only do it once a week or once a month, yeah, you're not going to see the results. Right, but if you right. do it every day or every if other day. If you do it every day, right. Because yeah. if you think about it in terms of the kundalini energy, what you're doing with one kundalini class is you're raising that energy. But then it starts to lower, 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 lower. Yeah. And so if you don't come back to it, it's back down at the baseline and you have to raise it again. But if yeah. you raise it, but then you keep doing the practice, it doesn't lower. It stays up there. So your overall well-being stays at a much higher level. Yeah. And as we, you know, we like to say, your, your freak out level just <laughs> you know, begins to change. Right. So earlier you touched on... Um, how people sometimes will say, oh, I had a kundalini, they'll call you. They don't know your studio because they feel they had a kundalini awakening. Mm -hmm. You know, they're walking in the woods and something happens or they're in a class and they start like, you know, shrieking or crying or, and you know, actually I'm going to give a little disclaimer on the crying because crying can happen anytime in a yoga class Mm -hmm. because it's a release of energy and that can be very healing and healthy. But I mean those like unusual situations where people feel like everything's changed. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's not what people should come with the goal of because that's first of all, not super realistic. (laughs) And that's, we're talking about something very different than Kundalini yoga. Correct. Yeah. It's a very, it's a whole other topic in its own, although it shares some names and some, you know, web crossover, but it's a different, it's very different because the goal for Kundalini yoga isn't to have a breakdown. It's to feel good. (laughs) Yeah. But people say, um, and I'm sure, you know, of course you've heard it. Kundalini. Yeah. Right? Kundalini, like crazy. And it's a lot of times because they're hearing stories right. of people saying things that actually have nothing to do with what Kundalini really is. That's right. Which last week I did um, a little on Tantra and I talked about tantric sex, the same thing. It's like the yogis and the Tantra teachers of 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, were not, would not at all <laughs> even understand what the teachers today of tantric sex are doing online. Right. Very different. Similar name, but very different. Yeah. Um, 
So when you hear kundalini, kundalini, you're probably hearing somebody refer to something that's not this well, wonderful practice of kundalini I mean, yoga. Actually, we kind of joke about it too. It's, yeah, I'm sure. It is, uh, you, you have know. to. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, yeah. And it is. And the practice itself can be very, very weird. Yeah. So you know. So we just kind of. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we make a lot of jokes. Like that. <laughs> um, well, we talked about the top benefits really um, already. Um, you have a physical, and then you also have the mental slash spiritual I'll put in there because mm-hmm. the anxiety and the meditation and then you have the physical because you're working on the core strength right getting your organs flowing mm-hmm. um uh let me see so well how long have you been doing this let me ask um, you that you've been around I don't I probably I was um I was pretty deep into hatha yoga before I found kundalini I'd say about 15 years probably Something and around that long. You also do, well, in the past, you've done teacher trainings as well, and you travel around the world. I know last week I was talking to you, and we were talking about some of your trips yeah. abroad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we're just in the process right now of completing our teach our Kundalini teacher training. In fact, it ends uh, in a couple weeks. We have a group of people, women, all women. It, yeah. Kundalini, interestingly, tends to attract right now more women than men. Is it because it's billed as divine feminine energy? I don't know. We liked it. We really like it when the women join us. But yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But um, our, our current teacher training group, this is actually the first time our group has been all women. Okay. So um, yeah, we're about to graduate a, a group of teachers. Um, we did not expect to be running the training online, but we did after the first week, which we did here in person, we then went online and we've completed the training wonderful online. yeah so um we usually do I, you know i one of the things that i really love to do is retreats where we go out yes. there you know i've run retreats in, around the world and i can't um, wait till those are back up and running in full capacity oh, that's gonna be a while <laughs> but um yeah it's the retreats are great because you just immerse yourself in it and you know there's you can some, unplug from everything you unplug from your phone you and unplug, the media and right. your refrigerator and the people around you in traffic <laughs> yeah oh yeah. yeah and you know there's some life to, lifestyle aspects to kundalini which is you know it's a it's a practice that you're um encouraged to be a vegetarian you're encouraged to abstain from drugs and alcohol personally i think caffeine is all i mean I, i'm a, i'm a I will confess, a, you know, a, a user of caffeine, but I anything any sort of stimulant that can interfere with your meditation. Yeah, you know, you you're we as Kundalini teachers and students, we take a look at our lifestyle and say, is this beneficial to me? Is this something that might not be beneficial? And in the, the more you become in tune with your body, I feel like and. Kundalini, um, any yoga or meditation practice, I feel like brings you more in touch with your true self, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like the more you become in tune and in a, and <laughs> alignment, mm-hmm. it's hard. We're, we're doing this with masks on and uh, mine keeps getting stuck. <laughs> <laughs> when you get into alignment, you start being more aware of what's around you, whether it's the toxicity of the negative stories in the news, um, the media, um, abuse of like alcohol, stimulants, mm-hmm. and the energy of things, mm-hmm. the energy of animals, the energy of, of what's around you. And I know for me, when I went through my awakening process, um, I just stopped watching the news. I couldn't for a long time. And I also became vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to say vegan for a long time because people immediately think of the, um, you know, kind of like violent protesters and like people who are wearing natural fiber clothes and don't take showers and are going to spray paint you if you're wearing leather. And it's like, it's a beautiful plant-based diet. I have a plant-based diet, but it took me a little while to get in there. You know, I don't ever have an issue with somebody who's a flexitarian, but for me, I just personally changed to a plant-based diet. I feel healthier. I did it originally for health reasons. I read the China study and felt like my life was changed. <laughs> and then as I became more aware, for me, it was about the energy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. The more you become aware, the more you become aware. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. The more you know, the more you know. Right? It's yeah. so true. Right. And it's the so more true. changes you you willingly bring yeah. into your lifestyle. I mean, when we start our teacher training and say to people, okay, guys, 
you know, ideally you'll become vegetarian and people, a lot of people are just like, why would I do that? <laughs> it's you hard know. to explain until it happens. Right. And um, then, and then you have that sort of point of like, wait a minute, we're talking about spirituality. We're talking about interconnectedness. Yeah. Do I really want to put flesh into my body? Do it's, I really want to put something into my body that's going to harm it? And once you start being clean, you just can't. It's, it's hard not a to question. go back. It's yeah. very hard to go but back. But I will say that life is all about balance as well. And it's really important um, for anybody out there who's listening to not beat yourself up and not to have self-judgment. For me, like I will occasionally have a glass of wine um, and there was a long time I wasn't drinking and now I put it back in. I do have, you know, I was visiting a friend in in North Carolina recently and had more than a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) And, but I also know that that is going to affect my energy for the next two or three days. That's right. And that, and having that awareness, it's all a process. Yeah. Right. As long as you know that what you're putting in your body is going to have an ultimate effect, you make that decision. You make the conscious decision. What happens very often is when somebody isn't aware of what's happening and they're eating processed foods and hitting the bars every night and, you know, and um, and don't understand why they're not feeling good. Yes. And then what does that mean? Like as a yoga teacher, as a healer, as people who work with energy, you know, we don't want to walk up to people and say, dude, you know, no hamburgers, no beer. No, you know, no, that, <laughs> that's not going to work. But as people become aware of their bodies and of their thoughts and of how it's all interacted, very often people just start to move away from these things that aren't serving them. And not just in terms of food and alcohol and drugs and all of that, but relationships. Absolutely. I I have seen so many of our Kundalini students walk away, myself included way back when, walk away from bad relationships, which you know, you could be... The more aware, again, you become, the more that your ego is, what they say, slay your ego, the more your ego's in check, the more you feel in alignment, the more you feel have that self-love, that transformation of, and knowing yourself, I feel like, the more um, the things around you just kind of fade away sometimes. Right. And it can be painful. Right, right. It can be painful. Somebody maybe you were friend, you know, friendly with for years, doesn't mean it was a healthy relationship. Um, doesn't mean it was unhealthy, but it doesn't mean it was... It might not have been It's not in alignment with who you are. Right. And it happens. And um, I always feel like, you know, sometimes we feel that loss and it can hurt. But just to show gratitude that it was there when you needed it. It was there for a reason. Yep. And just being grateful. And then looking forward and not worrying about that. Just kind of looking forward and going towards energy. I feel it's really like if you can make decisions from a place of love and the way the energy feels, that it feels good, you're never going to be sorry might not always be easy, but you're not going to be sorry. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And walking away from somebody in your life or a job or, you know, yeah, which is not serving you is a very difficult decision. It's scary sometimes. It's very really scary. scary. And that's, again, where coming back to this daily practice, the, it's called sadhana, right? Coming sadhana, back to your right? sadhana. S-A-T? S-A-D-H-A-N-A. Ah, okay. So it's not satnam. Right, no, sadhana. Sadhana is a daily spiritual sadhana. practice. Thank you. And Again, we have masks on, so I can't see her lips. <laughs> yes. Sa- sadhana. It's sadhana. S-A-D-H-A-N-A. So yes. sadhana, daily spiritual practice. And it's uh, and it can be anything. You're, so for a while after the pandemic started, um, my usually I would get up and I would do 31 minutes of chanting more often than not because I love to chant. And... The vibration. I, I love the vibrations, yeah. yes. And I find it very clearing. And then I realized about a month into the pandemic, I couldn't do that. And I start my sadhana became um, a walking meditation. And I would go out every morning and walk for an hour and chant while I was walking. And The walking is a big one for me as well. Yeah. And, it's huge. Right. And mm-hmm. and as long as you're not, you're not listening to a podcast, you're... Mm-hmm. You know, you or music or anything, you are just there with your thoughts and trying to clear yep. your thoughts. And I, that for me was a very powerful sadhana. And I work with a well being center in Turkey called the Life Co. And people come there to detox their bodies from heavy metals. It's a, a wellness center. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I do is an early morning walk, and it's a walking meditation. And I let people talk in the very beginning just because they have to shake it out. <laughs> yeah. And then it's a silent walk. Um, and Occasionally, I'll guide a little bit, just like the furthest sound you can hear, the closest sound, the things you can see on the horizon, like just little things if I feel like they need a little guidance because I can see their mind cranking through their to-do list versus Mm. being aware 
of the beautiful environment around them. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing um, when people come out in the morning, it's, it's early, and most people are leaving their very busy jobs or families to be at the center, so they're like, all gruff in the morning. And by the time we get back, their shoulders are back, yeah. they're, they like have smiles on their face, like just their whole posture and energy is different just from that walk yeah. in nature. Yeah. It's like, oh. Right. That's yeah. one of the things I love to do when we're on retreats is we'll go out for a walk and then come back and sit together and chant. Wonderful. And it's yeah. just, it's a very powerful experience just to raise this energy and clear the mind because... When you look at it in yogic terms, what we're doing is we're, we're breaking these habits, right? We're breaking these patterns, these samskaras, these cycles that we just, that keep coming back to us. And this is one of the things that's been really big during the pandemic is these loops of anxiety where, you know, am I going to still have a job? What am I going to do with my kids? Absolutely. So if you're kind of tuning in and out right now, pay attention to this. (laughs) (laughs) This is so important. We're talking about breaking the cycle. When your mind is in that loop, law of attraction, whatever you want to believe, in that loop of anxiety and the what if and the fear is breaking that cycle. Right. So you're saying that Kundalini that helps you in the morning. It is. It just cuts right through it, and you develop the tools to when you begin to notice this happening. Instead of going down that vortex, you come. You can you can pick a mantra. Right. Sat Nam is one that's very common. Truth is my name. Sat Sat means truth. Nam name like a Namaste name identity. Yes. Sat Nam. And you, when you start seeing that happen, you can just go satnam, 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 and just break, just you are physically breaking this pattern. And um, sometimes I just get up and go wash my hands. Right. And you and, know, I'll get up and like open the door and go check the weather, just anything to break that cycle. Right. But becoming aware of the cycle yep. is the key because more often than not, we're not aware of it. And we start to build this anxiety, starts to build, right? And all and energy is energy, it attracts. And energy attracts. So a negative thought attracts a negative thought attracts right. a negative thought. And next thing you know, you're screaming at the kids. You're throwing <laughs> dinner out the window. You know, your spouse is like running yeah. because they don't know why you've all, all of a sudden, you know, gone crazy. And you, you don't even know what's causing it. So what sadhana does, what your daily spiritual practice does, it helps you build the capacity to notice when you start building to that point and break that cycle. And the more you practice, the easier it becomes. I love that. Like anything. Like the anything. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you haven't done this, I am so excited for you to try. Everybody who's out there, if you try it, please send me a message online. I want to hear your experience. And if you've done this in the past and you kind of forgot, come back to it. And if anything that you try, whether it's um, meditation or kundalini yoga or any other kind of self-care practice that you have at home, if you're falling off the wagon like so many of us are, it's just natural. It's going to happen. Don't beat yourself up. Let go of judgment. Just get back on the wagon. Just try. Mm-hmm. And it can be baby steps. It doesn't have to be um, an hour long. It doesn't even have to be 31 minutes. That's wonderful. That's ideal. But even doing like a five-minute meditation in the shower, doing a little bit of chanting, you know, when you get out of bed before you make your coffee, anything that works for you to just start the momentum going in the direction mm-hmm. that it needs to go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, once it's easier to steer the train once you've got it moving. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it's hard to get back on, but you will always be grateful that you did. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. Um, all right, well, this has been such a wonderful... I could talk to you all day about this. I really, really love it. Is there anything else? Like, I would love to hear, um, like, what's your favorite part about about Kundalini Yoga? What's, uh-huh. I know That's a pretty loaded question, but... Um, um, yeah, you know, um, well, first of all, one thing that I do want to just briefly touch on is the Kundalini world right now is very much uh, in in flux. Um, there's a lot of changes going on. Yes, it okay, was, so the media. We're going to talk about the story in the news. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's So recent, recently, during this past year, actually, just shortly before um, COVID became a really big thing, uh, the Kundalini world was kind of rocked by a book. We've got it sitting around here somewhere by a longtime um, student of Yogi Bhajan who brought Kundalini Yoga to the West from India in the late 60s who alleged that there was a great deal of um, sexual and emotional malfeasance, improprieties and abuse going on in the world. And um, 
the organizations that oversee the Kundalini uh, world, 3HO, um, KRI, the Kundalini Yoga, the Kundalini Research Institute, um, and a couple others, did embark in a um, basically a fact-finding mission and found that the allegations were worse than what had initially been believed. And I heard it referred to as um, that he was kind of the the Harvey Weinstein. Of, of the yoga world. Of the yoga I world. haven't heard that. Yeah. Um, I, that's a tough one because... Well, abuse of power. Abuse and of And a power. sexual misconduct. And, right. And yeah. that uh, kind of unfortunately can, covers yeah. a lot of these guru type mm-hmm. men. So, you know, in, in that regard, it's, yeah, we're, you know, it's, you know, it's like Bikram Chowdhury or, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Patabi Joyce. I mean, we're seeing yeah. this going on in, uh, all over the place. Well, a lot of times when you're dealing with people who are looking for something like this, they're looking for the wisdom and the experience because something is lacking in their life. They're looking for healing. They're vulnerable. Right. And anytime you're dealing with people who are vulnerable, there can be predatory practices, unfortunately, right. in any field. Right. Whether it's, you know, medicine or teaching or religion, it doesn't, I mean, everything across every socioeconomic, absolutely, unfortunately, has predatory practices when and, people are vulnerable. And power corrupts. And, and Exactly. Right. So, you know, there's a, a reckoning going on right now in the Kundalini world, and it's kind of an exciting time as we rewrite the, the future and um, look at ways to understand this practice going back way before Yogi Bhajan, you know, he was the vehicle that brought it here, but beginning to really look at what the practice looked like in India. And and I heard too, he brought it here, I think in 68, I heard. 68, 69. 69. Yeah. And um, I've read a lot what he brought actually was very different. <laughs> it it kind of morphed into a very different practice than yeah. had originally been taught anyway. Well, it was... Which it isn't was, always a bad thing. It just... Yeah. You know. I mean, it was, he westernized it. Yeah. And, but it also took... When it got here, it, it, it became rather culty. And, you know, a lot of his followers became Sikhs. He was Sikh. And a I remember being little like, and seeing the um, people all in white with the turbans. With the turbans, right. <laughs> and I couldn't understand. I was used to seeing um, maybe people from India... Or other like ethnic groups like this, but I wasn't used to seeing all the people in my. I was in Madison, Wisconsin. There was quite a big group, on the mall, and I didn't understand. Not as a kid, you know, but right. it was very interesting to yeah. see them all with their turbans and their white and. Right, and now a lot of these old timers are taking their turbans off and saying, "Hey, that's cultural appropriation. This isn't right. who I am." Right. All right. Exactly. And <laughs> so a lot of this is going on, and it's very interesting. And I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see the practice. Um, begin to move in a somewhat different direction. One of the things that we're seeing already is moving away from a lot of the more esoteric um, aspects of it to a real, much more science-based understanding yes. of and how I it works. And I love the science part of it. That's, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, too. I was in pharmaceuticals for 10 years and I was in the medical field before I got into all this. So I love explaining how things actually scientifically work as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's things we don't understand. I don't understand how I send a picture from my cell phone and it can be in my mom's cell phone across the country in a second. It's the same with energy. We, I don't always understand, but it's there and it's mm-hmm. real. Um, but anytime we can have a science component, it just is kind of like, just makes it that much stronger. Yeah. I guess. Oh, the scientific aspect yeah. of Kundalini Yoga is, is fabulous. And I mean, it works on the vagus nerve. It works, you know, there's so much that is going on there yeah. scientifically. Um, another aspect of the practice that I love is the community aspect. And that, you know, this is a practice that's... It's very that, warm. It's very warm, and it's to be done in groups. I mean, you'll have your home practice that you'll do on your own. You wake up and do whatever you're doing at home. You're sad. But this has been a struggle during the pandemic because it is a practice that is best pra- best done in groups. It's also a practice for transformation. And this is really important because transformation mm-hmm. doesn't just mean our personal transformation. It also means taking responsibility for transforming the world. I and, love that. I and, and the first my in my notes, the first thing I put was Kundalini ignites transformation. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I wanted to make sure that we did touch on that, which we did a little bit earlier. But you're right; it is the world. It's contagious in right. the best way. Right. And yeah. if, But if we we have to start with ourselves, if we do not start with transforming ourselves, if we don't start with self care, if we don't start with self love, how can we give what we don't have? So we have we have to start with that within ourselves, and then we can take it out into the world. 
So when we, we, you know, a lot of people talk about yoga isn't political. It is very political. Kundalini yoga is very political. Yeah. Because we have to fight for a better world. I was reading um, just some different things, you know, preparing for today, of course. And a couple of things that I loved that um, is over and over in different texts. It talks about suffering being due to ignorance um, and the, the spiritual knowledge. Like the more you get to know yourself and your true divinity, the more you feel connected to yourself, that it destroys that ignorance and that suffering. And the more that you, like through Kundalini is a great way to be connected with yourself, your true self. And the more connected you are, the more love you're gonna have, of course. Because yeah. you're the, like, the most amazing thing ever. And we don't always realize it. So the more you become connected to who you are, the more you start to love yourself, you, you appreciate the things that maybe you didn't before. And the more love you have, the more you project. That's right. And so if you project it, then you start caring about other communities, other cultures, more about the environment, more about anything that's going on right, in the world because right. you care. And you become empowered to speak truth to power. Yeah. And that is what, because if you feel strong, if you feel centered, if you feel supported, you can call out injustice. Yeah. But if you don't. If you're in alignment. If you are in alignment. But if you are not, if you feel that, if you yourself are backed into a corner and really being subjected to um, you know, insecurity or abuse or repression, yeah. you know, it's really hard to stand up for yourself. It's true. If you love yourself and you feel in alignment, then there isn't room for the the fear mm -hmm. to really creep in. A little fear is natural. We well, all you have need a little, a little fear. fear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just like that real, like that insecurity. That, right. The paralyzing fear. The paralyzing fear. If you love yourself, you love yourself unconditional, good or bad. Right. So you're making decisions from a place of love. Maybe it goes right and maybe it's a lesson to learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you have that confidence that you're in alignment and that you're doing the best you can and then you want the best for everybody else. Because That's right. That's there's room the for all of us to win. That's right. There's room for everybody to win. So like, yeah. how do we help each other win? So I love that you're bringing that back to Kundalini and the sense of community, um, whether it's a yoga studio or a retreat. Uh, I'm, you know, I know retreats, lifelong relationships are made from mm -hmm. these because yeah. you come together and you have that synchronicity yeah um, of energies it's, yeah, it's wonderful. yeah yeah mm -hmm. i know it's i love seeing like some of our retreaters who like go up to you know we have one goes up to philly to like you know hang out with you know a friend she met on yeah. on our retreat and you know it's it, this building community is really important i mean we we really work to do it even now virtually on zoom yeah. in our on our online classes we really do work to create the sense of community. It's harder, but it's not insurmountable. And that's one of the things that, um, it has been a challenge for us since we've gone online, but um, yeah. but it's really, you know. Um, I'm sitting here across, by the way, from Julie, and I should have described her in the beginning, but she's absolutely delightful. <laughs> she has like this great sparkle about her. She's sitting so cross-legged on a folding chair with a beautiful scarf and big sparkly eyes, and is quite petite. Like, <laughs> like you're so petite and cute, but you have this huge, big, like sparkle coming oh, out from all of so you. Sweet. And it's really delightful. <laughs> it's really delightful. Um, I was just going to say the other thing I love about um, that you're so positive and optimistic um, with the way that Kundalini is going and how you've used it in your life. And I, I really do like how the mainstream media um, on the positive side, whether it's Gwyneth Paltrow on Goop or it's Gabby Bernstein or... You know, maybe Oprah has a guest on, whatever, because the more we can share the positive components of it, even if it's just little nuggets, mm -hmm. just a little bit that maybe somebody hears who wasn't open to it before and it resonates and they're like, oh, he's pretty funny or she's really pretty. I don't know what they're talking about, but they seem happy. I'll try it. Like, I feel like there's no right or wrong. Like anything that drives people to finding this connection. Right finding this connection. So if you're in the Washington DC area again, <laughs> you can check out Lighthouse well, Yoga Center. Our, our actually our student we have students from all over the world. At oh this right, point. because you're on we're online. online. Yeah. Wonderful. So we have students we have students from as far away as Singapore, we've Europe, you know, we've got uh, California, yep. Canada, 
Uh, and I know you spend a lot of time in Lisbon. I know you did the retreat in Italy. Yeah. I think Cuba. You might... We've we've done Cuba. Retreat wonderful. To Cuba. Um, yeah, but well, I'll right, put the link in the show notes yeah. for anybody who wants to find her and subscribe to to that. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and you know everybody's welcome. It's uh, you know, and we run classes at different times of the day. So if you're in Europe, you'll you know you'll find some times that work for you. If you're in California, you'll you know you'll find times that work for you. Just, you know, take a look and, and, you know, you can always reach out if you need referrals to Kundalini teachers or studios, yoga centers where you are. Reach out and, we, you know, we do a lot of referrals to other centers. Wonderful. Are you on Instagram? Uh, yeah, we are. Okay. We'll, we'll put <laughs> yeah, a link to that. <laughs> we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. After I'm like, let's detox from social media and then we're plugging all of our social media. But it really is a great way to stay connected around the world. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a positive side when it comes to that as well. Um, all right. Well, I think that that is like pretty much it for the major part of our show. I know you um, have a busy, uh, busy schedule, and I'm so grateful that you took time out of it to speak with me today. Um, the last part that I like to end the show is with a mantra. And so I had asked Julia ahead of time. Well, actually, that's the problem. I didn't ask her ahead of time. I put her on the spot right before we started recording. <laughs> and she had a mantra, but it was we're going to choose something today. It's a little bit more of a positive affirmation. And so why don't you share with us what that is and what it means to you? Well, so one of the mantras, we actually kind of use it as a hashtag here at the studio is be the change. And this, be the change. Be the change, right. And what this, um, what this really means is that we take individual responsibility for creating a better world. And it starts with ourselves, just as we were just talking about. Once we start to transform ourselves, once we start to awaken ourselves and align ourselves, we then are creating a change, an energetic change. And so that's what the that's what our goal is here at Lighthouse Yoga Center is to is to create this pathway for everybody to be the change, to create a new world, a better world that's fair, be, free, just and equitable for everybody. That's wonderful. It could be something small just in your neighborhood and maybe you have a high presence on social media or a, a position mm-hmm. of power where you can actually be the change on a large scale. That would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but every little bit makes a difference. And any little thing, you know, just helping people out in their daily lives, mm-hmm. getting up and doing your sadhana, get up and do your daily spiritual practice. so that Recycle. Re- recycle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whatever you know, it is. There's so many different ways. Vegetarian, to right? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So, Everybody out there listening, for this week, instead of doing our, um, where you're going to chant it to yourself, I want you to really be focused every day. Write this on a sticky note. Put it on your mirror. When you're brushing your teeth, look at it. If you're driving, put it you know, somewhere on your dashboard you can see. Be the change. And really bring your awareness to what that means, to what maybe you can do in your everyday life over the next week, ideally forever, of course. <laughs> But definitely this week is just little acts of kindness that you can do that have to do with being the change to help us all be better, to help our world be better. Is that good? All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Julie. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Michelle. This was big fun. (laughs) And to all of you listening, know that you're worthy. You're enough. You were born for a reason. I'm your host, Michelle Schoenfeld, and until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost Me at Namaste. If you liked it or you like this podcast in general, please take a moment and share the love by dropping me a review, giving me a rating, or sharing it with your friends. The more love and light we can spread, the better our world will be. Thank you, and until next time, namaste.